if you've watched any TV over the last number of days and you've seen what's been going on in Fort McMurray, first of all, Fort McMurray, for a lot of people, let's be honest, for a lot of people, Fort McMurray was kind of a name you may have heard once or twice. Maybe you remember that there was a CFL game played there last year and it seemed like it was the middle of nowhere. But now it is as Man, it is much the center of attention in Canada as any place. I mean, it's as it's as much in the news as Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, any of the biggest Canadian cities. And for all the wrong reasons, this horrible fire that has just devastated the whole area has been the center point of the news for the last week or so. Uh, Brad Whisker is a reporter from CHED 630 in Edmonton, part of the Chorus family, and he was taken on a tour today of some of the areas of devastation. He joins me now. Brad, thanks for doing this tonight. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, we have seen in the pictures, in the videos, uh, online, everywhere else, we've seen these pictures that almost look post-apocalyptic when we see them now from Fort McMurray. Is that when you went around today? Is that what you saw? Yeah, it was something else to witness firsthand to be there now that the fire started to stretch outside the city and, and see neighborhoods like Beacon Hill and Avisan and see that these homes have been completely burnt to the ground and it was really something. But then moving through the downtown where we saw the fire basically over it, and it was all the homes, all the schools down there, the fire basically jumped over the downtown, and it's like it wasn't even touched. How Do you any idea how that happens? Did they explain the, how that area was spared? He didn't really go into much uh, detail about that. So in the areas that were hard hit, now, we there was a, a reporter on TV the other day, Brad, and I was watching, and she was saying the people there had said 80% of the homes had been destroyed. And the comment that really got me was she followed it up by saying, but we haven't been able to find the 20% that were. In other words, it looks as though everything is gone. Is everything gone? No, not everything is not gone. The 20%, now it's about 15 or as low as 10%, uh, you can you can clearly see it. What What's left is clearly left there. Um, there is some smoke damage to a lot of the homes as well, but what's gone is gone. These homes have been completely burned to the ground. So you walk through, and, and how large are these subdivisions that are clear-cut, basically? Pardon me? How large would these areas, these subdivisions be, or these areas of town that have been wiped right out? How big are they? Yeah, like blocks and blocks and blocks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're talking blocks. Um, there was a whole stretch completely walked in when we first turned into the Beacon Hill neighborhood. There was nothing left. So right down to the foundations, just gone? Yep. Can you explain geographically, this may be an odd question, but where we're located here in Hamilton, it, it doesn't seem, we, it's hard for us to understand how this could happen, how a wildfire could spread from the forested area to the trees. How close are these subdivisions to the wooded area? How did this actually get from the the forest or the forested region to the homes? Well, it just, it, it shifted and it constantly shifted. And that's what the Wood Buffalo Fire Chief Darby Allen explained today that this fire and a lot of forest fires create their own weather within the fire. And, and this one in particular just had a mind of its own. They've been coining it the beast. And this beast just decided to do whatever it felt like. And when it shifted from the trees and, and started to descend on Fort McMurray, it just 
as I mentioned before, it just jumped. And, and, and it seemed like it just went wherever it want, wanted to and, and just took out most of what was in front of its path. Is there a large gap, though, between where the trees were and where the homes were? Is it like when you look at it as a guy, and I, I don't know how many fires or forest fires you would have covered, but do you look and you go, yeah, it makes sense that it would have been able to make that jump, or do you look at it and you go, I don't even know how that happened? Well, a lot of that has to do with the dry conditions up being so hot and, and so dry that it, it was just able to pick up speed, so it, it does make sense. Um, the fire chief said today that he's never seen anything even close to this. He called it unprecedented. So it, that really, those few words that he said to us really spoke to the magnitude of what firefighters and emergency officials had to deal with. Talking with uh, Brad Whisker, reporter from 630 CHED from Edmonton, and who was uh, touring or given a tour of the the area that was affected by the Fort McMurray fires today. Brad, there are... The people who vacated, the people who were evacuated from that area, I know they know what's happened. But do you get the sense, I don't know if you've talked to any of the people, do they know, I mean, understand, Have they? do you get the sense that they really, at this point, the people who were had to leave, get the magnitude of what's facing them when they go to try and see where what's left of their homes? I think a situation like today helps them understand. I think it was imperative that here, along with other officials, this needed questions answered. A lot of these evacuation centers are obviously equipped with radio or TV, and they're able to catch up on what's happening in their city and what's being done to bring them back inside. It's, um, yeah, because you know what, Brad, we there was a, another video that you probably saw this. I, I think it was on the Globe and Mail's website where there was a video camera, uh, uh, in the house and the people were on a computer or something in an evacuation center watching their own home burn to the ground. And it's, it's again, it's kind of unfathomable to, to imagine being that homeowner or that person. And, and there's thousands of those. And that's what really set in today being there firsthand. Um, it was. Brad, we're, lo- we're losing you here. If you, I don't know if you're um, turning in a different direction, but when you do, we're losing your connection there. Sorry, there I, you go. I'm on the Oh, line. sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying, but you were saying about how it is hitting home for these people. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to head out of your home like that and not know if it's going to be there when you return. Being there firsthand today, um, an unbelievable thing to see firsthand. Um, my heart aches for these people. It really does. And I really hope that, that they can get back home sooner than later. And I really hope that Fort McMurray... Can, can return to what it once was. That's a great Albertan city. We keep hearing, though, that this fire could burn for weeks unless there's some large rainstorm or something. How much, I mean, how much more is in this fire's path? What, what's, I hate to say it, but what is next? Well, it's on its way to Saskatchewan, and we'll see if it makes it there. It's still about 35 to 40 kilometers away from the border. Saskatchewan firefighters are ready to deal with it should it head that far east. Aside from that, all we can hope for here is cool weather, hopefully some rain at some point. And even if we do get that, this fire is going to burn for months. That's what the fire chief did huh. say. It's just it's a matter of slowing that growth. And they've done that greatly in the past few days. It it hasn't grown to the size that they've anticipated. So that is more good news.
Brad, just before I let you go, when you were out there today, when you first got to some of these areas where this fire happened, and I don't know how many people were with you as part of this press visit, what was the, what were the comments from the people when you first saw it, from you and the other reporters and whoever was, was there? What, what were the first things that people would say when they would look at it? You know, be saying anything, I don't think they could believe they were looking at. Um, when we got off the first stop to take pictures and some video, we had about five minutes. When I jumped back on the bus, you could hear reporters asking other reporters if they were okay. Huh. Because you could feel you could feel the emotion on that bus. You could tell that that we all cared about these people and what we were looking at, and just it, it was really something to, to be sitting on a bus like that. Because we're usually a pretty chatty group, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and this just it silenced us. Were, were, uh, just before I let you go, were you with the group that was with the premier today? Because I know she was also touring this area. Well, she had done her own separate tour. Okay. She done, she had done her own tour herself and well not by herself but with other officials earlier in the day so she could assess the area and then be able to answer those questions for us during the press conference this afternoon. Brad Whisker from six thirty C H E D in Edmonton. Really appreciate the time today. I know it was uh, probably a tough day, but I appreciate you spending a few minutes tonight. Uh, that is thanks very much, Brad. Sorry, bad connection. I sorry to the audience. Uh, it's. Um, uh, Brad has a long list. He's, he's actually driving back from there to Edmonton right now, which is why he's on the highway.